This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to the Getsy Health Podcast. Hey, we've got a big, fat, juicy episode for you today. Is that better? Yeah, that, that's way better. <laughs> this is our second time recording our intro because... It came out all wrong it last did. time. It sounded dirty. I don't know how. Yeah, so... Anyway, so we're talking about fat. Yep. And um, this could potentially be a super complex topic, Yeah. but we're going to try to keep it really simple yeah. for two reasons. One, we don't want to bore you and make your eyes glaze over, Right. but two, because there are some really, really important concepts that our society has gotten so, so, so wrong, yep. and we need you to understand these concepts. Yep. So we're going to try to get rid of all of the fluff, all of the unnecessary nerdy details and keep it super focused on what you need to know in order to be a healthy consumer of fats. Now, before we get super focused on that, I just want to tell all of you listeners, like, thank you so much. I know we like dive right into the information, but I want to just pause and say, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being along this learning slash self-empowerment slash healing journey with us. Um, so our our um, our producers, our podcast producers, told us that last week or the week before we hit number eleven in the natural sciences categories out of Ooh. all the podcasts, and that's because of you guys. That's because you guys are downloading, you're listening, you're sharing, you are commenting and leaving reviews, and we just want to say a big fat thank you. Did you see what I did? Ah, <laughs> and not to brag or anything, but I think we might have hit number three in alternative health in the Netherlands. And then <laughs> we were number one in Zimbabwe like a few we weeks were, ago. We so hit number one in, in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. <laughs> Where are my Africans at? Thanks guys. I think it's because I have some like friends in South Africa that might be in Zimbabwe too. So. Probably. But anyway, <laughs> but seriously, we are so grateful that people actually listen. Yeah, you guys um, are the best. We, we love doing this and we would probably do it anyway, even if people didn't listen, but it feels really nice to find out that someone cares. But you guys are actually liking this. Yeah. Like, and, and your feedback is amazing. so helpful, by the way. It, yeah. it informs what we talk about, how we talk about it. So please yes. give us your feedback. Tell us what yes. you like. Tell us what you don't like. Please rate us um, and review. We would love to hear from you. So thank you. All right. Back to, back to the top. Tristan always is about, hey, stick with the plan. And I'm all over the place because I'm so ADD. So let's go. We've let's got go. stuff to talk about. And today we're talking about fat. And we're talking specifically about how our society's misunderstanding of fat has led to so many different health issues. And it's led to a situation where the way we generally try to keep people's hearts working properly mm -hmm. is literally working against our hearts and causing us all to die a lot sooner than we should from heart disease. Yes. So um, how did it get to be this way? How? Well, it started back in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. That's, oh my gosh, what, 70 years ago we're 70. going on. It, I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're easily over 60 years. So that's how many generations now our grandparents were yeah. affected by this. So there is this dude, Ansel Keys. He was um, a big hotshot nutrition researcher. And he did this really cool study where he went around the world and looked at seven different countries, examining what they were eating and how healthy they were. Which, mm -hmm. if you've listened to many of our episodes, you know that that is a classic epidemiological study, which 
is problematic. Mm-hmm. But before I get there, he found in his research that the more fat a culture eats, specifically the more saturated fat a culture eats, the more likely they are to have cardiovascular disease right. and therefore die younger than necessary Which from heart attacks and things like that. Completely false. Well, I mean, spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and and this set off a whole wave of other oh. research. Mm-hmm. Research. I'm I'm doing quote fingers, um, and and punditry and proclamations and philosophies about marketing how campaigns fat is the bad guy. And, yep. and and if you think about it, it kind of makes sense on the surface. If people eat fat, they get fat, and if you get fat, then you're more likely to die of fat in your arteries and Mm -hmm. that's a heart attack. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so people ran with it and it led to first off all kinds of official recommendations saying we got to stay away from fat y'all. Yeah. But even worse, the food industry was like, we can, we can do this. Yeah. Let's turn this to our advantage. They started producing tons and tons of fat free foods. The sugar industry. We need to differentiate because it's well, sugar. So they it, it they got took worse. fat out mm-hmm. and then they put sugar back in. Right. So the sugar industry was loving this new wave mm-hmm. because they had been under fire earlier for potentially causing all kinds of problems with high sugar intake. Yeah. But as soon as people latched onto fat being the issue, they were off the hook. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they thrived. People, oh man, you should see these ads that we were looking at oh the other gosh, night. Oh my gosh, they were amazing. They're, they're these ads from like, what was it, the 70s or 80s? And it's literally saying, hey, do you want to lose weight and curb your appetite? Eat, Eat ice cream. sugar and ice cream. It's like this woman like eating ice cream or these people eating like donuts or something. Now, keep in mind that back in the 1950s, before this whole hullabaloo started, the uh, the percentage of people that were overweight was very, very low. Yeah. I don't actually know the number offhand. I've got a really cool chart that shows it. I'm going to try to get that in the show notes. But uh, as soon as these official recommendations started coming out to stay away from fat, especially saturated fat, the obesity rates in America started to skyrocket. Now, I don't want you to think I've fallen into the trap of correlation equals causation. Mm -hmm. I recognize that it's a complex situation. However, when you take into account what we're going to talk about on this episode, and then you overlay it on this graph that shows that as soon as people stopped eating good fats and started taking huge amounts of carbohydrates, we see obesity skyrocket along with all the things that come with that. Remember of the top 10 causes of death, most of them are related to too much carbohydrate intake and being overweight. Yep. All right. Exactly. Um, It's been a problem for our society. So that's kind of the history. It it led to decades and decades of us avoiding fat, taking tons of not just lots of carbs, but specifically processed carbohydrates. And then the superpower sugar industry just rode that wave. Mm -hmm. They rode it hard and we all fell for it. And now we're Mm -hmm. all walking around sugar addicts and totally normalizing it too and shaming other people that are not wanting to eat sugar. Now we weren't entirely blind to what was going on because at some point people realized, huh, maybe all this sugary soda popper drinking is problematic. No big deal. We got this guy's, the soda industry came out with diet soda. Mm Mm-hmm. And so everyone started going to that instead. And we thought that that would address whatever problems there might've been with the sugary sodas. It made things worse, Yeah. but I'm getting off track here. So we've got this, this dirty history and only in the last couple decades have people started going, wait a second, 
This doesn't look right. It's not working. Why are people so good at following these dietary recommendations? And people are. Mm -hmm. People do a really good job of following those recommendations. Why are they doing this and we're not getting better health? Why are people getting more and more overweight, sicker and sicker, more More autoimmune diseases, diseases, Mm -hmm. and, and... More hormonal issues, more infertility than ever. Why are people not living as long as their parents for the first time in the history of humanity that we are aware of? Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So let's talk about why. Should we just jump into it and talk about why? Let's do it. All right. So if you go back prior to the 1950s and you look at what people ate throughout history, there's a lot of variation, right? Mm -hmm. Some cultures ate tons and tons of fat. Some cultures ate very relatively less fat. Some cultures ate tons of animal product. Some cultures relatively very little. Mm -hmm. But there were some similarities amongst most of them. And that is that they tended not to have a carbohydrate rich diet overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because of that, and I think we've talked about this in other episodes, but our bodies adapted to do very well with fats. Yeah. And you probably have heard the keto people talking about this, that once you're fat adapted, you can go crazy with the fats and you're still going to drop weight like crazy. But you don't have to be in ketosis to use fat. No, you do not. And so that that's one myth that we just want to pop right now and just be like, you don't have to go to these extremes. Nope. Like your body can naturally digest fat for fuel and it does. Yep. And as we're going to talk about, your body has a lot of uses for fuel, a mm-hmm. ton of uses for fuel. So, so we want to make sure it has enough. But before we get there, let's talk about what happens when you do have tons and tons of carbs. And this is an abnormal amount of carbs, historically speaking. That's a really important piece to keep in mind, that mm-hmm. the amount of carbs we have access to today yeah. is astronomical, yep. historically speaking. So glucose, right? That's the, the primary energy source of the body yep. as we currently stand in our society. What happens when you get too much of it? You store it. And your muscles and your cells and your liver. Mm-hmm. I mean, right or, off the bat, you get a ton of it in your sugar, in your blood, mm-hmm. right? Your blood sugar spikes up. And what happens when your blood sugar spikes up? Your, your insulin, insulin goes up. has to spike up because its job is to help your cells actually get access to that yep. glucose. Or to dump the glucose from the the from your blood mm-hmm. into the cells. It and, can't stay there. And what happens when we have too much insulin for too long? You get insulin resistance. Our cells stop responding to it. Yep. Exactly. And when our cells stop responding to it, it our body cannot handle sugar mm-hmm. very well. And when sugar sits in the bloodstream, when it sits in the body, it causes inflammation, mm-hmm. neurological issues, kidney issues. It's uh, not particularly satiating. So it tends to lead to overeating. Yep. And then it's also stored as fat. Mm-hmm. So the body will store it. And, and specifically, and it. specifically, it tends to lead to the storage of fat right around the organs mm-hmm. and not, not the little bit that our organs need for like their cushioning. Yeah. Right. So you can jump around without yeah. bruising them. <laughs> yep. Um, but, but we get a lot of fat surrounding those organs, especially the heart that can be very problematic. Mm -hmm. And of course, cancer, right? We, uh, it's probably pretty common knowledge, but there are many, many types of cancer, maybe most of them that thrive off of easy access to sugar. Now there's other types of sugar though. And, uh, one of the other really common types is fructose. Mm -hmm. So 
hey, I know fructose doesn't increase your blood sugar insulin response. So let's just why don't we just load go, up on fructose. Let's just go nuts with high fructose That's corn syrup. Great idea. Um, or let's just live on a diet of 99% fruit. That's delicious. <laughs> um, what's wrong with doing that? You tell me. Well, our livers are really, really good at converting fructose into fat. Yeah. Wait. Super good. Wait. What? So am I saying, <laughs> mm-hmm. am I saying <laughs> that eating fat isn't what creates fat in our bodies? That is what you're saying. Well, to some degree I am. Um, what I am saying here is that one of the best ways to have your body create all kinds of excess fat mm-hmm. is to get all kinds of excess fructose in your diet. Mm-hmm. So your liver converts that straight into fat. And a lot of that fat doesn't go anywhere. It sits in the liver mm-hmm. and that leads to- it, a, yeah. Some of it does get transported out of the liver to, oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. be stored into other- No, and, and hopefully most of, of it, but, right. but too much of it- Totally. Gets stuck in there. Yeah. And leads to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Exactly. And uh, I didn't put down the stats here, darn it. When I was doing research, I came across stats. Something like 30% of the population- has non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Which is ridiculous. And um, amongst the overweight population, Mm -hmm. it's 70%. That's amazing. Now, okay, this isn't on our notes or anything. I'm just asking your opinion because you guys, if you don't know Tristan, like he's he's borderline genius status. (laughs) He's not. He's really smart. Like, okay, so do you think part of that could be because of all the medications people are on these days? Which ones? Because I'm... All of them, I guess, because we know a lot of medications have to be metabolized in the liver or the kidneys. Mm-hmm. And we know that over time it breaks down those organs. So do you think, I, I, what's your opinion? What do you think? Right. We so, haven't looked at any research on no, this. I we, we like haven't. it just popped up in my head. So this is just us speculating you guys. There's, there's two things that could go wrong with taking a ton of medication. One mm-hmm. of them is going to be the yeah, that's taxing on the liver, right? Mm-hmm. If the liver can't keep up with everything that's going on, potentially that's going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really important to to on this topic, which is kind of off topic, um, our liver is not a filter for our body in the way that we think of it. Right. It's not like all of our blood has to filter literally through the, the liver to clean itself out. So, so, and this is important when it comes to eating liver, which I'm a big proponent of in case... You aren't already aware of that. Right. Um, but a lot of people think that the toxins are stored in the liver. With with mammals, at the very least, mm-hmm. um, you're not literally eating the filter like you would the filter of your car, right? Mm-hmm. Full of disgusting stuff. It's just where all the enzymes and and the, the complex molecules are created that enables your body to process toxins, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, presumably... And we do know that certain medications, especially things like NSAIDs, mm-hmm. right, they can be very difficult um, on your liver. They can cause right. a lot of problems there. And if that happens, then, yeah, I mean, if your liver function is not great, then mm-hmm. it's far more likely for it to run into issues. But, yeah. but yeah, that 
Sorry, sidetrack that. Separate subject. There's yeah. there's another issue there that involves your methylation system, but I think that maybe yeah. we shouldn't we'll, go to that. We'll have a different episode for <laughs> okay. methylation another time. All right. But okay, so we were talking about what so, fructose so does fructose. in the liver. Yeah, so we've causes got fat. fatty liver disease is one mm-hmm. possible outcome of way too much fructose. Another thing too is uh, uric acid production. That's a huge one. It's huge. Yeah. And it increases your blood pressure. It causes gout. I mean, it's, it's bad. And we look at a lot of blood reports these days, like a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And uric acid is almost always elevated in people who eat a lot of fruit. Now I'm not trying to villainize fruit. We've upset some people with our discussion of too much fruit. Uh, Apparently there's a a cabal of people out there who love fruit so much that Mm -hmm. they're trolling the internet, looking for haters of fruit so that they can (laughs) tear them down and and point out the wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, Mm -hmm. No, fruit is fantastic, but we live in a society that is addicted to sweetness. That's addicted to sugar. And so many people think that, Hey, if it's fruit, then it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. And so they live a diet of primarily fruit. And that is problematic because once again, we've got to take the historical context into account here. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I, I strongly believe that an ancestral diet is the way that we should go because it worked for us for so long, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't until the modern age of all these processed foods and, and fake foods and, Mm -hmm. and then actually nutritionists or dietitians deciding, Hey, this is what the science says. So let's all change what we've been doing for decades. Right. That's where things started to go wrong. So let's go back to what seemed to be working where people were dying from infectious diseases instead of chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. And Fruit was not readily available for most of history. Maybe in some cultures, yeah. right? In in some tropical cultures, well, they had access to tropical fruits. And the the fruit back then is completely different to the fruit that, that we have today. Like everything yep. has been modified and changed and enhanced. Right. I mean, even even our carrots and our vegetables, for instance. Mm-hmm. Now, I still tell people we need to eat organic veggies, mm-hmm. but a carrot. 200 years ago doesn't look like a carrot that we have today. And in fact, like if you talk to any vet, they will say, do not feed um, rabbits carrots because they're too sugary. Mm. It's it's like feeding a child a piece of cake. Do rabbits get diabetes? I have no idea. I've never, that is like never, like I'm sure any animal can get diabetes depending on what you feed them. But Um, but yeah, so, so our, all of our food that we have today has all been modified, even Mm. the organic ones. Right. And and so we talk about GMOs, right? Genetically Mm -hmm. modified organisms. What does O stand for? I don't know. (laughs) We should know that. Anyway, GMOs are terrible. The fact is though, that we've been genetically modifying foods for For centuries, Mm -hmm. going back to monks in Italy who realized that, Hey, if we breed two different kinds of peas together, we can... Right. See different things, right? Mendel, is that who it was? I have no idea. Anyway, um, but see, but I told you he's super smart. This he is, remembers everything. <laughs> no, yeah, a whole bunch of useless information that <laughs> wins me points in trivia contests that I don't do. Um, maybe maybe we should quit our day job and enter you in a bunch of like TV shows or something. Yeah, that'll go well for us. <laughs> let's bet our paychecks on that. Sorry, so let's go. Um, so anyway, yeah, there, there's a difference between GMOs as we talk about them today. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that we have been. Um, manipulating the genetics of foods for a long, long time to make them more appealing to us. And the way we've done that with fruit is to make it sweeter and juicier and and bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, But too much of that fructose, once again, um, 
non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, uh, uric acid, cardiovascular disease, obesity. It goes up when you get too much fructose. Yep. Because I mean, it literally, your liver will make VLDL from, from glucose. I mean, from fructose, sorry. And here's one Uh, of the tragic things about our society. Sorry. Do you want to finish that or do I was going to say not only that, but, uh, fructose also, uh, to get into the the Krebs cycle, it has to like downregulate to um, it's called glyce. Ugh, I'm gonna slay this glycerol aldehyde. And if you guys know anything about aldehydes, it actually like denatures proteins, and so that causes cirrhosis. So you're like tearing your liver to pieces because of fructose. Right. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was complex. But what but basically, mean? what you're saying no, is I'm, that no, it does it, do that. It, it shrips, it shreds apart your liver. It denatures yeah. proteins in your liver. Okay. So too much fructose denatures mm. proteins in your liver. You do not want denatured protein because yeah. that just leads to um, a painful liver. So so. All right. So one last thing about fructose, and this is the most frustrating thing for me. You've probably all heard of the glycemic index, right? It's particularly important to people with blood sugar regulation issues, um, hypoglycemia, uh, diabetes, that sort of a thing. And there's a list of foods and the foods are kind of ranked or rated in terms of how much they elevate your blood sugar, which then will lead to an elevation of insulin and that causes insulin resistance, all that. You know that. The problem here is that fructose does not score on the glycemic index, right? It doesn't, it won't raise your insulin. But guess what it does do? It does lead to diabetes. Mm -hmm. So by avoiding glucose and replacing it with fructose, Mm -hmm. you're not doing yourself any favors. In fact, potentially a lot worse for yourself. Exactly. Well, another byproduct of a high fructose uh, diet is there is this production of, I don't know if it's an enzyme or a molecule, but it's called JNK1, which leads to inflammation, which Junk. leads to diabetes. And so um, there's just a lot of byproducts of fructose that the liver creates mm-hmm. um, that, that are not good things for your body, basically. All right. So quick shout out to the dude on Instagram who got upset about the fruit <laughs> and also to the medical medium people out there. There are a lot of people who love medical medium. We're still not going to go there, but mm-hmm. we are not attacking fruit. We're I want to make that very clear. Yeah. Most people can handle a moderate amount of fruit mm-hmm. as part of a very well-balanced diet, yeah. right? And not the kind on the cereal commercial. Um, as long as your fruits are in moderation and you're getting all of the other stuff your body really, really needs, including Mm -hmm. these fats that we're going to talk about, then you'll be okay with the fruit. Yeah. And as long as your fruit is not coming in a squishy, delicious bag of fruit snacks or in the form of juice Mm -hmm. where it's lost all of its fiber, you're going to be okay. Well, fruit is, it's a completely different delivery mechanism. I mean, it has fiber and it's like fruit is half fructose, half glucose. Mm -hmm. And so your body can utilize glucose. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it spikes your insulin, but then that glucose is being stored in your cells for use. Mm -hmm. And then half of that fructose, you know, is being released to the liver very slowly. Um, Some of that actually gets pulled down further into your GI tract where it feeds your bacteria. Um, Fruit has tons of antioxidants that help with metabolism as well. 
So, I mean, there's there's a teeny tiny, and I don't want to use the word poison with fruit, but let's just, you know, because well, of what we've been talking about. Potential teeny, imbalance, there's, really. There's a teeny tiny imbalance that completely outweighs the benefit of fruit um, within reason. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. again, if you have insulin resistance, if you have inflammation, if you have autoimmune issues, then, then maybe even that teensy-weensy bit of fructose that does create a teensy-weensy bit of uh, stress on the body um, is enough to completely stress your body out all the time. Right. So that's, so not, again, we, we never ever want to make rules about any foods for mass amounts of popu- of the population, because that's just not how that works. Your body is completely different to the person next to you. And you're going to, you're going to interact with food and your body is going to communicate with food completely different. And so the, the point that we're trying to get a across is yeah these things happen but how does your body react to them mm-hmm. and so so it's nutrition should always be very individualized yep you got it go. now that being said having too many especially refined carbohydrates but just generally too many carbohydrates in the diet one of the ways it can be problematic is that it is taking caloric space away in your diet from mm-hmm. fats Mm-hmm. And that's what I really want to focus on now is what what goes wrong when you're not getting enough fat? Because once again, we are just emerging out of a very long period of time where fats were demonized yeah. and where people avoided fats like the plague. Yeah. So, so some of the things that can really go wrong, it, generally speaking, it's just, it's starving your cells. Yeah. Our cells love fats. They do. Mm, they do. And they use it for all kinds of things like their own cell membrane. Yep. Do we want to talk about the, the phospholipid bilayer? Mm, Is that too much? We don't much? need to. Um, but basically, we, but, we can just say that, that they depend on getting fats in mm-hmm. order for them to right. build well, their Well, even walls. like the myelin sheath around nerves, you know, it's, mm. it's kind of like you have the, your wires that are live, but you have to cover them, right? With plastic. Mm-hmm. That's what fat does to all your nerves mm-hmm. in your in your brain and your body is it surrounds them with a layer of fat so that they're not misfiring um, around them and causing neurological issues, basically. Yeah. One thing I will say about the cell membrane is that it is a far more complex part of the cell than the nucleus, mm-hmm. right? We always think of the nucleus as the brain of the cell because that's where the DNA is located, but that's virtually all that the nucleus does. It's yeah. where the DNA happens. Mm-hmm. It's the membrane that's taking all of that data from the DNA and doing stuff with it. Yeah. So it's how the cell communicates with its environment. Mm-hmm. It's how the cell transports different things, nutrients in and out. It's hugely important. It's how it prevents the outside bad things from getting in. Right. Um, so, so we need good fat yeah. and enough of it yeah. in order for our cells to adequately develop that membrane and do their jobs. Also, what percentage of your brain is fat? Do you know? I don't know. It's 60%. See, this is why I would be terrible on Jeopardy. So- <laughs> I Maybe I just, should go on. I would have just lost everything. <laughs> So yeah, so fat is is huge, guys, and we need it. Also, it's it's the pre- like cholesterol, which is a form of fat, is like the precursor to a ton of hormones. Oh wait, before we go there, one oh, more thing that one more thing about just generally having too low of fat because we recently talked about hormones, mm-hmm. and we actually have been talking about that quite a bit with people just at Lately. the clinic and things. Mm-hmm. If you have hormonal issues, meaning you feel like your hormones are low. 
what really could be going on is that you have poor hormone sensitivity on a cellular level, right? So we talked about insulin sensitivity. When your cells stop responding to it, diabetes shows up. We're seeing the same pattern with other hormones, sex hormones, estrogens and testosterone, androgens, all of those things. If your cells aren't responding to it, it might as well not be there. Right. And when you have low hormones functionally, mm-hmm. you feel awful, yep. right? You have no energy. You have no libido. Yep. You, you just can't do the stuff. Yep. So, so you need, you need some fat to be there. Now, fat brings with it cholesterol. Yeah. And you've probably heard at least once or twice, cholesterol, cholesterol is bad. Is ah, you need to stay away from high cholesterol foods like yep. eggs. Yep. Um, one more shout out to the medical medium people out there. Um, I know his thing isn't about the cholesterol. It's about the Epstein-Barr virus, but. but let's, let's just a quick thing. Like yeah. eggs aren't good for everyone. If you have like histamine issues mm-hmm. or autoimmune issues, like eggs are probably going to bother you. So heal that first and then you can take eggs. Right. And we could say um, that about virtually every everything. Food out there, yeah. Right? Like if heal the body, get the autoimmune, like immune system hypersensitivity down and then you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. So, so anyway, we, we need some cholesterol and that's where you were going with this. So I'll let you, I'll let you go. What, what do we do with cholesterol? Why does well, our body need it? Cholesterol basically creates, I don't want to say all hormones because it doesn't, but it is the backbone to a lot of hormones, sex hormones. Um, what were the other hormones we were talking about? Oh, There's just a bunch of hormones. So cortisol. Guys. Now, you're probably aware that cortisol is the stress hormone. Mm-hmm. We have too much of it. Not necessarily true. Cortisol is super important for a lot of things. For example, when you stand up, your heart still needs to be able to pump blood to all of your body. Mm-hmm. And cortisol is one of the ways that it is able to do that without you you know, passing out or losing feeling in your feet or whatever would happen. Right. And if you don't have enough cortisol, then you can't accomplish that. And that leads to problems. I mean, obviously there are bigger problems to have than you stand up and you feel lightheaded and things. But but that's just one of the many, many, many functions of cortisol. And we need enough of it in order to deal with stressors as they come up. Yeah. But then we also need to be able to clear it plenty well. That's a Mm -hmm. different issue altogether. So yeah. So, So again, like sex hormones, you guys, like if you want to have a baby, you need to have cholesterol. You know, if you want to have regular periods, you need to have cholesterol. And and um, by regular, she means yes on time, but also not so that you're curled up in a ball feeling like you're going to die right. for a week out of every month. Yep. I mean, if you want your kids to grow healthier, that requires hormone and those hormones require cholesterol. So um, you want big, strong, healthy kids. You want them to grow normally. Like they will need cholesterol. They'll need a lot of it. Now, another really important thing that, that cholesterol does is it helps our body manage inflammation. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to villainize inflammation because acute inflammation is super important to keeping us healthy, right? When right. you get an injury, inflammation is your body's method of dealing with that. Yep. Um, but it needs to be able to create it and remove it right. as needed. And cholesterol is a super important factor in that process. Yeah. So if you don't have enough of it, Essentially, what can happen is that inflammation can just burn like an out-of-control fire. Yeah. And that can be especially problematic in your cardiovascular system. Yeah. So if you imagine if you imagine cholesterol as like the the glue that helps keep your arteries and blood vessels mm-hmm. intact when they're damaged. Now mm-hmm. that's 
you know, not the only thing that your body uses, but, but in some cases that can be necessary. And then you imagine you take that glue away and you start getting holes Mm -hmm. in your arteries and blood vessels. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? You're going to get more holes, more problems. And and then your blood's going to start going to places it's not supposed to go. And Mm -hmm. you're going to develop some very serious problems. Very serious. Um, so, so hopefully it's pretty clear that cholesterol has its place. It's yeah. not the bad guy so, that you've been Yeah, taught. so cholesterol is not creating the holes, you guys. Cholesterol's trying to, to patch up those holes. Mm-hmm. But what we have done in society is completely backwards because we see heart disease and then we see all this cholesterol that's trying to patch up all these holes. And then we're like, let's just decrease the cholesterol. And so we take give, statins. So we point. take statins, which literally like shut down liver function so that your body isn't producing cholesterol or metabolizing it or utilizing it. Yeah. And now we've taken away the patchwork. We're shutting down the liver and um, we're leading to, we're having the body basically not heal itself. So we haven't dealt with the problem. We've just taken away the, the band-aids that were supposed to fix the problem. And here's the absolute tragedy of the situation is that people are getting a big thumbs up from their medical providers after they've been taking mm-hmm. Lipitor or Crestor or some other statin for a few months and their cholesterol is super duper low. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. I have seen cholesterol levels that are practically not even there. Mm-hmm. They're so low because of these statins and they're getting a thumbs up while their body is burning up inside and shutting down. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It's and really and their numbers don't look good. Their liver numbers start to get all out of whack. Yeah. And their hormones start to get, get all messed up. And mm-hmm. they feel terrible. And then they start getting like aches and pains. But they're getting a high five at the hospital because, yeah. hey, everything looks fine. Their cholesterol is below 180. Mm-hmm. So, I guess while I'm on that topic, um, we do a lot of these blood chemistry analyses. And so we look at a lot of cholesterol Mm -hmm. and the general recommendation that is still in use most places is we want it below 180, right? Mm -hmm. Somewhere between like 120 and 180 is what they say. Mm -hmm. When you look at the research, the actual research, not the the very broad epidemiological data that was put together in the fifties, but the actual research, when your cholesterol is below 180, there are some very specific problems that can start to occur. Mm-hmm. For example, this is one of the weirder ones. The odds of you becoming violent actually go up. Wow. Statistically significant finding that mm-hmm. violence increases when cholesterol is below 180. Wow. Um, depression goes up. Yep. Uh, suicidal thoughts go up. Mm-hmm. Diabetes goes up. Right. Uh, so, so, Clearly, there's something there's going on, right? Totally. Historically speaking, before the whole fat is evil craze started, the average cholesterol level was like 220, 240, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. I don't have the number in front of me. It was a lot higher than it was today. And they were not dying at higher rates from heart disease. Right. All right. So yeah, that's a correlation, but it's a mm-hmm. pretty meaningful one in this case. I remember, sorry, I'm just sidetracking because I just remember this. When I was taking a training on cholesterol and like HDL, LDLs from a doctor um, years ago, this was like back in 2010. And he was talking about how the the medical industry, they were making so much money off of these statins, but it kind of like, it, it 
plateaued. And so what they started doing was they started mm-hmm. selling statins and marketing to vets mm-hmm. to give to their, to, to have people give to their pets. Oh, no. And so it gave them a nice big bump. Yeah. And so, um, and so now all these animals are on these statins shutting down their livers. And I remember thinking like, that is just so wrong. Like yeah. we're just, I, I don't know. Like that's, the fact that it wasn't enough to sell to humans, you have to sell it to dogs too. Right. Um, there's something wrong here. So, Anyways. so you know, initially the the numbers that were considered healthy levels of cholesterol were up in the 200s. Mm-hmm. And then it has gradually, well, I, I should say for several decades, it gradually decreased, mm-hmm. right? And And that's very convenient for a cholesterol medication manufacturer, right? Like, yeah. hey, we're selling this much products yeah. when the target is 200. Yeah. So let's how make much, the target a little lower. How many people fall in the 180 to 200 cholesterol category that mm-hmm. we could sell to yeah. if we just changed the guidelines? It's and so awful. Now th- that might be assuming an awful lot about the intentions of people, but they kind of deserve that reputation, right? Totally. They've done enough stuff. They've all been convicted of crimes when it comes to in accurate marketing claims and mm-hmm. um, illegal practices in their relationships with prescribers. I mean, yeah. if you guys want to watch something super infuriating, go to Netflix and watch Hassan Minaj's, uh, what is this show called? Uh, um, Patriot the Act. Patriot Act. Yeah. So he does one on statin, not statins, he does it on um, insulin. Oh, yeah. And he talks about how um, in America, our insulin pricing is so high, but the two companies that create insulin, they will increase their prices at the exact same time so that there is no... Um, there's a so, there's a word for that and it's called collusion. Collusion. Yeah. <laughs> and it's supposed to be illegal. It's uh-huh. supposed to be. Yep, but these guys do it and and you see every time one um company's insulin goes up, the other one goes up, you know? And so it's, it's all about money. The the way they get around that is that they're not explicitly coordinating. Like Mm -hmm. they're not calling each other and saying, Hey, how about we raise the price of insulin by $200 tomorrow? Yeah. Sounds good. Let's do it. They don't have to, there's only two of them, right? They can literally just watch each other and say, Hey, they just raised their prices a hundred bucks. I guess that means we can afford to raise ours too, because Mm -hmm. our demand is not going to go down. So my point of saying that is one, go watch that. But two, like (laughs) these medical companies are not mother Teresa. Like it's, it's all about the bottom dollar for them. And they happen to make a buttload of money off of very sick people. Right. They're not in the business of healing people because when they heal people, they lose clients. So so that's not to say that you need to boycott them. Yeah. And if, that's not to say don't take your insulin, guys. Oh, if please don't get that insulin, from us. Please like, okay, we shouldn't always have a disclaimer of like, always listen to your doctors. And, and by the way, critically. there is a place for even statins. As, totally. as awful as they are, there is a condition. It's familiar familial hypercholesterolemia. I didn't know that. Where you just genetically accumulate mm-hmm. tons of cholesterol. Right. And those people really are at a higher risk of cardiovascular disease and death. Yeah. They very well could be a subgroup of people that needs those statins in order to stay alive. What now, percentage of people is that? I don't know, but it's low enough that if you are on a statin... Mm-hmm. and you haven't been told that you have familial hypercholesterolemia, mm-hmm. then you probably don't. Um, but, uh, but so all of that to say that you should be treating your pharmaceutical manufacturing company the same way you should be treating your government, both local and national, the way that you should be treating any authority in your life, yep. which is 
have a healthy amount of skepticism. Ask yourself if you have full autonomy over your choices in that situation. Yeah. And if the answer is no, the balance of power is off. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. We say this all the time, but you should be the one holding the power. Yep. And that means that you should be able to ask questions and get transparent answers. And if that's not happening, there is something broken in the system. Yep. Okay. So hopefully, hopefully we've made it kind of clear that we need fat. Yep. Cholesterol's not the bad guy. We need cholesterol. Mm-hmm. There's another important fact to put in with this though. Dietary cholesterol is very poorly correlated with blood cholesterol. Mm-hmm. So, so most of our cholesterol that is in our bodies is produced endogenously, meaning mm-hmm. endogenously. Thank endogenously. you. Endogenously. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. I didn't do anything. You. you corrected yourself. Thank you, brain. <laughs> <laughs> endogenously, which means it's produced internally. Mm-hmm. Only, I think it's like a quarter, maybe even less is from our diets. Yeah. So eating a lot of cholesterol does not lead to really high blood cholesterol. Yeah. Having high blood cholesterol, unless you've got familiar hypercholesterolemia and a few other kind of rare instances, does not lead to cardiovascular disease and heart attacks and other types of death like that. Right. So um, that being said, let's talk about what we kind of should be looking for. Um, We find that as far as cholesterol goes, there's not necessarily a number where we say, oh no, your cholesterol is too high. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is cholesterol is an indicator of something else yep. that's happening in the body. Typically inflammation, things so breaking down. When it gets really high, mm-hmm. that tells us we've got a problem here yep. and it's not the existence of cholesterol, which is why statins tend not to be the best answer. Right. All that that does is prevents your body from fixing whatever's going on. Yeah. Um, now that being said, there's more than one kind of cholesterol. Um, there's two worth talking about here today. There's HDL, which is high density lipoproteins. Mm-hmm. And there's LDL, which is low density lipoproteins. Yeah. They both have different functions. They're both necessary. So don't buy into it when people say, oh, LDL is the, the bad, bad one. Guy. HDL is a good one. They're both good in their own ways. They're both good. What about VLDL though? Uh, well, that's one that I wasn't really going to bring up. Um, still has its place. It's actually, mm-hmm. it's in charge of helping to transport triglycerides. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have any of it, that wouldn't be happening efficiently enough and we'd have problems. But it's also a stored form of fat as well. Isn't that correct? Triglycerides. The VLDL. VLDL. Meh. Sure. Because when you eat a lot of fructose, your uh-huh. liver produces a lot of VLDL. Why? Because it needs to transport all the triglycerides. Oh yeah. All the other stuff. You got it. So, so fructose. Yeah. There's that, that issue. But um, but yeah, it can get to a point where if VLDL is really high, that tells us there's something going on here. There's One of the first things awesome. I ask is how much fruit do you eat? Mm-hmm. Um, or how much sugar do you eat? Or how Not much? just fruit. Because <laughs> you guys, sugar is <laughs> well, way, like I'm sorry. high fructose corn syrup is way worse than so, fruit. So I, I said fruit because a lot of the people we work with have Are, already- They've become fruitarians. Well, they, they don't necessarily need to be told you need to cut sugar out of your diet. Yeah. If they're throwing hundreds of dollars at a blood test, mm-hmm. then hopefully they've dealt with that. Otherwise, yeah. they just need to cut out sugar and then come talk to us, right? Right, right. Um, so, so fruit is kind of the, if they say, well, I, I never eat sugar. I don't know why it's saying that. So, well, how much fruit do you eat? Right. And then it's like, well, I mean- Eight servings a day. All the fruit. Yeah, <laughs> for um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. So- 
Uh, all right. So, so LDL has a very important purpose. It's there, but it can... And remember, this is the one that the whole world has deemed as bad. Right. The LDL. So, so when it gets high, mm-hmm. yes, that tells me there's something going on here. Something is broken. If, if LDL cholesterol is too high compared to total cholesterol mm-hmm. and compared to... HDL, mm-hmm. a lot of times that does indicate there's something going on with the liver. There, or like there's inflammation in the body or there's some or there's kind of autoimmune of issue. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's not the bad guy. I've seen, I've seen cholesterol levels that are up above 300, Yeah, but the LDL relative to that is like a hundred points lower. Yeah. And that tells me at the very least, well, the liver's doing its job. Yeah. That's good. Now yeah. let's figure out why, why the body feels the need to create so much cholesterol. Right. Usually, yeah, inflammation is a, a big factor there. Mm-hmm. So um, triglycerides also, they're not, they're not this terrible thing. We haven't really talked about them, but they have a purpose too. And that's that they are also used in that cell membrane layer, not as much as phospholipids, but they're needed. They are a form of energy storage, which is not mm-hmm. always a bad thing. Maybe these days because we have such an abundance of energy sources in our diet, but yeah. um, they can also be a healthy form of organ padding. Yeah. Right. Within yeah. reason. And we need some padding on our organs because sure. we bounce around and we move. We need some cushioning. Um, but uh, if those start to get too high, it's very similar to the LDL that right. tells us, okay, we might have too much refined carb. We might have too much fructose. There's, yeah. there's a reason why this is happening, but it's not the enemy. Yeah. Um, all right. So this brings us really to the, the last really important subject and that is what fats should we be eating okay because one of the other big myths out there is that saturated fats are the devil are super bad and i'm here to tell you that they that is are not absolutely true. not right um so i don't know how do we so break this down how did how did we even start to demonize saturated fats where did that oh just same, because the, it's same, the same thing the same Marketing. ansel keys studies right mm-hmm. he he looked at fat in general but specifically right. targeted saturated fat and said this is our enemy right mm-hmm. here. But why? Like, why did he say saturated fats? Like, what was it about his well, I mean, poorly done studies that pointed that out? Do you know? I do have psychology training, so <laughs> allow me to do my armchair diagnosis right now. So, you know, that depends on who you talk to. Some people claim that he was just um, looking at the data in a specific way that led him to those conclusions. Yeah. Some people say that he was trying to make a name for himself and he just decided that this was know. going to be the thing that, That's a good way that to make distinguished a name for him. And it, yeah. it worked. I mean, mm-hmm. Ansel Keys is a very well-known name right. amongst people nerdy enough to look deep enough. Right. right. Um, uh, some people say that he just had it out for fat from the beginning and yeah. he was willing to do whatever it took to make it the bad guy. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The fact is that it got that way. Maybe, maybe it was the sugar industry that was doing their thing even before the Harvard studies in the 1960s. But Mm -hmm. uh, the fact is that that's how it got to be. And now we have this situation where we have to retrain people. Mm -hmm. Um, You may have heard in the news that they uh, recently, a group of researchers came out and said, Hey, we've been telling people to stay away from red meats have you, did you hear about this? No, I didn't. Yeah. So for a long time, the recommendations from like the world health organization Mm -hmm. and other groups has been stay away from red meats. They're carcinogenic. They're bad for you. They're going to kill you. This group of researchers took all of the data and analyzed it, not just in terms of 
what the results showed, mm -hmm. but also the quality of the data. Yeah. And this is huge, right? If you go back to our research episode where I talked about that, yeah. there is a huge quality issue when yeah. it comes to epidemiological nutritional research. Yeah. Uh -huh. And when they it's actually looked bad. at that, they found that the quality of research was so low yeah. that we are insane if we let that dictate our food choices. Right. They literally said, stop it. Right. Stop making recommendations based on this data. It is garbage. Right. And they're getting so much hate for it. Yeah. It's, it's oh my gosh. Well, because it this is so has much become drama. this cultural norm, right? Where it's like red meat is the bad guy always. It's, it's always gonna... It's become a cult mm -hmm. is what it has become, right? Yeah. Um, which is so common in nutrition. We compare it to religion all the time, but right. it, people are so passionate about this and they get into a camp and mm -hmm. they will defend that camp to the death. We were just talking about this before recording that like all nutritionists, I don't want to say oh, yeah. hate each other, but they <laughs> like everyone disagrees with everyone and like mm -hmm. no one can be friends in this space because they are the expert, you know? And so, um, so, if so yeah, it, it if, is, it is a problem. If we're, you're we're a nutrition very... person out there, we just want to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to agree on everything. We can right. learn from each other, right? Yeah. We know that we don't know everything. In yeah. fact, in a lot of these areas, we're like one, short step ahead of our audience. <laughs> um, and we're okay with that because the goal for us is to get closer to truth, mm -hmm. to make progress, to help people get a little bit better at a time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but there are these camps of people mm -hmm. and there's a lot of distrust because really that's just a reflection of how little we know. Yeah. Right. We had, we had these centuries and centuries worth well, of generational wisdom when it came to food. Yep. And we threw it out the window when we invented the scientific method yeah. and said, we knew nothing. We're starting over. Yep. <laughs> and the scientific method itself is a learning process that has been refined over the years and yep. we're still figuring it out. And because of that, we're relying on bad data mm -hmm. to, to determine to our, make our lifestyle choices, choices. Yep. at the expense of this wisdom that was learned through the scientific method naturally yeah over centuries it's, centuries ah, ah, just gets my blood I mean, boiling the, the smarter we get the dumber we get right <laughs> like, kind of kind of like the, yeah. I, I think that someday we're gonna we're gonna refine the process well enough I hope so and and it's becoming more and more common right where yeah. people actually are recognizing that that science as we've defined it for the last hundred years 200 years mm -hmm. is only one form of knowledge accumulation yeah. and that we need to take into account other forms, including generational wisdom, if we can still get access to it. Right. Um, and that we need to synthesize all these different types of knowledge in mm -hmm. order to come closer to actual truth. Can reality. you imagine if we demonized bread the way that we demonize red meat? Like, well, I mean, how some much of us do. Right? I, I mean, very few of us. How many people demonize red meat mm -hmm. as opposed to those that are demonizing bread and wheat and mm -hmm. stuff? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway. So, so we've, we've teased this plenty. Let's talk about good fats versus... I'm going to say bad fats. Mm -hmm. There are some straight up bad fats. Most of them are actually processed, just fats. Mm -hmm. So, so should we talk about good fats or bad fats? Let's first? do the good fats. All right. So good fats. And there are so, so many of them, but good fats are fats that help give your body nutritional fat so that it can do its job. And right? build. And that's going to involve most of the things that are found in nature, mm -hmm. right? My naturally in nature, naturally in nature. Well, because to because you don't get nut oil naturally, you have to use modern day mechanics okay. to extract it. Right, but if it's something that you could get into your system through consuming nuts, then it's still natural, right? 
So okay. we're, I mean, maybe I'm just splitting hairs on this, but, okay. but we'll talk about what is not natural. Okay. So, so natural good fats, that's going to be your coconut oils. Yeah. I know that's another big controversial topic that we just don't have time to dive into, but because I people are trying to demonize the saturated, saturated fat. Yep, saturated fats. Oh my gosh, it all comes together. Mm-hmm, right. So, so coconut oil—it's wonderful. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, avocado and avocado oil. Yummy. Yummy. Uh, another one. Olive so oil. Olive oil. Now we need to talk about olive oil. There are two problems with olive oil, and it's mm-hmm. not the olive oil. It's what we do to it. Yeah. Right. Olive oil has a lot of polyunsaturated fat. We need to talk about that. There's saturated fat mm-hmm. and there's unsaturated fat. Saturated fat, to keep it as simple as possible, stays solid at room temperature. Yep. And because of that, it's a very stable fat, mm-hmm. meaning that it tends not to go bad very easily. Yeah. Unsaturated fats, especially polyunsaturated fats, they go liquid at room temperature and they're fragile. Mm-hmm. Meaning it doesn't take much for them to go bad. Yeah. And you know bad oil because of how it smells, right? Mm-hmm. It smells rancid. Yeah. Olive oil is fragile. That's why it's supposed to be virgin pressed, cold, cold pressed, pressed olive oil. Because That's as soon as it yeah. heats up, it goes rancid. Mm-hmm. And what does rancid oil do? Creates inflammation. It inflames your body like crazy. Mm-hmm. So do not cook with olive oil. Mm-hmm. The other problem with olive oil is that it's so popular that there's fraudulent oil out there on the market. Oh, I didn't know that. Tons and tons of it. I mean, I'm not surprised, but... In fact, some people say most olive oil that you can buy at the grocery store is mm. not actually olive oil. So then how do you know? Well, which ones? there's a trust thing, right? Right. Know there, your companies. Yeah, you got to know your companies. Mm-hmm. Um in the end, this is just like natural flavors that yeah. I don't know if we've talked about it here, but we talk about it all the time. Yep. Natural flavors is a broad category of things, some of which can be really bad, like the glutamates, Yeah, some of which are totally fine. And because of trade secrets, they don't have to disclose which natural flavors they're using. Yeah. So you have to just trust the company and cross your fingers, say, okay, yep. don't stab me in the back. I need you. Um, same thing with olive oil. There are some better companies out there. There are, you can actually Google this and you'll find that there are people who test these. Yeah. And I love the consumer testing projects that people do. I love it. Um, because it's really the best way to hold these companies accountable. Yeah. There's supposed to be a government agency that does that, but <laughs> Johnny Call the FDA. they don't do that. They're, they're, <laughs> they're uh, a little bit too enmeshed with the companies that they're supposed to be regulating. Well, so. because big pharma owns like, 40% of the FDA or they don't own, they like well, pay 40 for 40% of the budget. The budget, the budget of yeah. the FDA tends to, yeah, be it's, padded yeah. With, by these companies. So, so there's conflicts of interest there. And, and we've seen way too many cases where the FDA is like, Oh yeah, that's totally fine. And mm-hmm. everyone that actually is knowledgeable on the subject is like, that is not okay. That right. should not be happening. So, so we can't rely on that, which means that we've got to rely on each other, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to hold them accountable on a, an individual level and yep. um, learn to work together as citizen scientists. Yep. So there's olive oil. Oh, an oil that I absolutely adore. Am I allowed to adore an oil? Yes, you I can. do. I just want to cuddle it. <laughs> <laughs> Is um, red palm oil mm-hmm. or, or kind of unrefined palm oil. Yeah. It uh, needs to be GMO preferably organic and and it most certainly needs to be from a sustainable source. There's a lot of controversy around this because in some parts of the world, 
palm oil is the result. Well, it, I should say it is the cause of all kinds of natural habitats being destroyed, mm-hmm. um, which tends to happen with certain types of farming. So, so making sure you're getting it from sustainable source is ecologically responsible, yeah. but you also tend to have a big crossover between the sustainable sources and the kind of the non GMO organic sources mm-hmm. and you want it to be unrefined, but yeah. it so is, is it your favorite? Because it is such an excellent fat profile. Yeah. It has half saturated fat, mm-hmm. 40% monounsaturated fat, mm-hmm. and 10% polyunsaturated fat. We don't necessarily need to go into the, the, the differences between mono and polyunsaturated right. fats, but uh, suffice it to say that they're really great for you, the monounsaturated fats. Well, it's fats. also super high in certain antioxidants and it, beta carotene. So it's it has it's an excellent source of vitamin A. Yeah. And all you people out there taking vitamin D supplements, you best be getting some good vitamin A in your diet. Yeah. Because you are throwing off your balance if that's all you're doing. Yep. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point in the future. But but vitamin D can be a problem if you're taking high doses of it without getting all the cofactors like vitamin A, yep. vitamin K, magnesium. All those things. And so on. Um, What other good oils are there? I love, 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 love grass-fed organic butter. Oh, yeah. It has some particularly great... Yeah, so for the the dairy-sensitive people, sometimes Mm -hmm. ghee can be easier. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has some awesome fats in it. And um, and that can help with like calcium absorption and things like that. Um, Other good fats. You like duck fat? As well I do. As I, so I like I like the the animal fats. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to be very stable and also very nourishing. Yeah. So by the way, these fats they can help a lot with appetite control. Yes. Carbs don't do that. They don't. You can eat a thousand calories of carbs and be hungry five minutes later. Well, I mean, if they're all fructose carbs, because fructose does yeah. not inhibit hunger. Right. Like. Glucose does, but fructose does not. Fair. And so when you're eating fat, it fills you up really fast nice. and it's super nourishing. Yep. Um, so so just a little like tip, you guys. If you find yourselves craving sugar all the time, eat more fat mm-hmm. because then you won't. It'll be so satiating because one, fat is very pleasurable. Like it it like stimulates our like happy center. No wonder I love it and I want to yeah, cuddle there, it. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'll leave you in your palm oil alone tonight. Uh, <laughs> oh no, that came out so bad. <laughs> no, We're I'm, not editing that. That's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> My visual was you like cuddling it in bed. Nothing else. Um, but, <laughs> We're just friends. Come on. Anyway. But, um, but what, what was I saying? Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's just very nourishing yeah. and it helps satiate you. So if you are craving sugar guys, just increase your fat. A lot of my, I, I like to make desserts with like high fat content mm-hmm. um, and very low sugar because it's still, it's still very nourishing and it hits that kind of sweet spot too. So we talked about how polyunsaturated fats are fragile, but they are not bad. And some of the natural polyunsaturated fats are so incredibly good for you. Mm-hmm. In fact, you may have heard of them, omegas. You ever heard of omega-3? You've there probably you taken the supplement. It's a polyunsaturated fat. Mm-hmm. And Aren't it's, O6s as well? And omega-6s omega six also, yeah. They're, your body needs them mm-hmm. for inflammation management. Exactly. Um, among other things, right? Cardiovascular health, brain health. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff that, that goes into these polyunsaturated fats. Yep. The key, though, is that you've got to be super careful with them so that they don't go rancid before you get them. Yep. If you've ever smelled bad fish oil, yeah. 
don't don't take it. Don't. If it smells bad, it's so gone rancid and an, it's inflammatory. Here's another way that you can tell if your fish oil is bad is if you burp it up. If you burp up a fishy flavor, like it's rancid. And so you want to switch your company, switch your brand, whatever. But um, you or never want to get be a new burp- batch. Maybe yep. your bottle is two years old. Yeah. But, I'm looking at you. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you don't want to do that. Like you, if you're burping up fish, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know, omega sixes and omega threes. So you want to talk about the ratios? Yeah. So people love to demonize omega sixes and say, ah, they're the inflammatory fat. Don't get them. You need to stay away from them. And then basically people end up taking crazy amounts of fish oil to get their omega threes up. Mm -hmm. That can be problematic too. Now, the issue is that the average American diet gets a 20 to one ratio of omega sixes to omega threes. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's because all of the really trashy oils that we haven't covered yet are right. just full of these omega-6s. Yeah. And we're not eating enough of the grass-fed beef that has good amounts of omega-3. Mm-hmm. Or, or the fish that is just an awesome source of omega-3s. Right. And that is a highly inflammatory state to be in, 20 to 1 ratio. Yeah. Where we really ought to be is more like 4 to 1 or mm-hmm. 2 to 1 even, yeah. depending on who you talk to. Of what to what? Omega omega six to omega three. Yeah, so it's, two omega sixes for one omega three. Yeah, so you do want more omega six and omega three. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you don't have to try. That naturally just happens. It's yeah. very difficult to overdo it on the omega threes unless you're taking tons and tons of fish oil. Yeah. Um, but but that is a good ratio. And and once again, both of those are important. Omega sixes, by the way, are super important to mitochondrial function. Mm-hmm. So if you have metabolism issues where your body just does not want to burn calories. Yeah. One of the ways that you can help to speed up that whole process, get it burning again, is to get some good sources of healthy omega-6s in your yeah. diet. That's um, pretty cool. But but primarily, the goal is going to be to cut out all of the bad, bad fats. Yeah. And so these are the few fats that I would say that is straight up bad for you. So, yeah. And it's going to be the refined, like, processed mm-hmm, seed oils mm-hmm. specifically. Yep. So, so this is where the, the not natural comes in, right? You cannot easily in nature get oil out of a sunflower seed. No. We'll say, right? That's what I was trying to mm-hmm. say earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't get it naturally. You cannot easily get good oil in substantial quantities out of safflower. Mm-hmm. Or what are some of the other ones? Corn, yeah. for goodness sake, soy. corn. Um, soy mm-hmm. is another one, right? And sunflower, so, did you, you said sunflower, I did. Right? Yeah, that the was the first one, one I said. Yep. So, so what they do in order to get big quantities out that they can sell is they use a very highly damaging refining process mm-hmm. to get those out. And remember how we talked about polyunsaturated fats being fragile? Yeah guaranteed by the time they've squeezed it out of those seeds, mm-hmm. it's damaged. It is damaged. Yeah. Yep. It is oxidized and therefore highly inflammatory and not shelf stable. And guess where you find the stuff, not just in bottles on the shelf that you can buy and take home like chips in virtually and, every yeah. pre-made product Packaged out there, chips and snacks and everything. Yep. Like go and look at all of your snacks right now and Tell me if it has sunflower oil in it or not. It's in your mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. It's in your chips. It's in your crackers. Mm-hmm. It is there. everywhere. Yep. And it is highly, highly inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I need to differentiate that from natural sunflower seeds. If you like to pop sunflower seeds in your mouth, that's great. Go for it. Yep. As long as they aren't also bad. Yep. Um, that fat, that polyunsaturated fat, as long as it's mm-hmm. still fresh, so good for you. Once yeah. again, healthy omega sixes, right? Yep. Um, but but generally speaking, you need to avoid that stuff. Oh, and here's another problem: if you go to a restaurant and they use mm-hmm. any kind of oil to cook in, which is virtually and all have of them. No idea what oil they're using. I guarantee you it's a cheap oil. Yeah. And the cheap oils are the seed oils that we just talked about. Corn yeah. oil, canola oil, vegetable, vegetable mm-hmm. oil, which is like mystery vegetable. Right. right. Um, sunflower, safflower, yeah. all margarine. of those things. Margarine. Do they still use margarine? I, I don't know. So, so trans fats is one we haven't covered yet. Mm-hmm. Trans fats are like the great, beast of all the terrible evil things in the world when it comes to fats. And the reason why is because we talked about how polyunsaturated fats are fragile. What the food processing companies figured out is that if they hydrogenate these oils Mm -hmm. or basically add Add hydrogen hydrogen to them, Mm -hmm. they can stay stable at room temperature. Hey, so they're not going rancid so that you can smell it and take it back at the store. So you can put it on your shelves for years and it's totally fine. But as it turns out, that makes them incredibly bad for you and it just skyrockets the rate of inflammation inflammation and therefore health. By the way, inflammation Mm -hmm. is like the mother of all disease. It's not the only source of it, but it kind of starts the whole thing. Um, if you want to give yourself a really bad disease fast, just skyrocket your inflammation. Totally. So go to the nearest restaurant and ask them for all the fries. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So that's trans fats. We've talked about the the bad fats. Did I mm-hmm. miss any of the bad fats? I think not. That's probably pretty good. Like, I feel like we're missing like one or two, but I can't think of them right now. But no, I, I we think- didn't talk about canola. Oh yeah, so canola, that, so everyone knows corn, canola is corn ter- and canola. Terrible, right? um, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Canola, another terrible one. There's a lot of them out there. There really are. Um, and just generally speaking, they're not good for you. What is don't that go one that people bake with all the time? Is it? I don't. Is it not corn oil or canola? No, oil? it's vegetable it's, it's oil. A thick, it's like a Crisco. Crisco. What is that made of? Uh, That's a hydrogenized, hydrogenated, partially hydrogenated oil. Mm -hmm. Maybe, probably. There used to be healthy Crisco. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you can still get it. Like lard is actually fantastic if Mm -hmm. you can get lard that that hasn't been processed or gone bad or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. tends not to be very common anymore. Gotcha. Um, So I think that maybe covers everything. Yeah. But but just to recap here, dietary fat does not make you fat. Right. All right. That's super important. Dietary cholesterol does not give you high cholesterol in your no. blood. High blood cholesterol does not mean you're going to die of cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. It means you've got inflammation you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and high does not necessarily mean high. You want to be over 180 on that. Yeah. Um, in my completely non-medical, non-professional opinion, please speak with your doctor before you make yes, any big health choices. Yes, always with your doctor. Okay. Um, and then saturated fat is not bad for you. Mm-hmm. So eat healthy fats, make them a part of your diet. I cannot give you specifics on how much of each fat you should get because I don't think the research has been done. Yeah. The fact is that you just need all of them. Yeah. And so you should be getting a good wide variety of fats in your diet on a regular basis, exactly, including everything I've talked about. And um, there's even some that I haven't talked about, which you can Google, look it up. There's like Siberian pine nut oil, by the way, if it's cold pressed, mm-hmm. holy cow, so good for you. It's an omega-6. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I don't want to just list off oils all day. So <laughs> maybe we should just wrap it up. Hopefully yes. you learned something new. If you exactly. didn't learn something new, that's fantastic. It means you already have come across this, but hopefully this has helped you to kind of reinforce in your mind mm-hmm. how the whole thing works and how the system has been working against us totally. for so long, right? First, it tells you to stay away from fats. And then when your cholesterol goes up anyway, it mm-hmm. puts you on a statin that prevents your body from using that cholesterol to, to heal itself. Mm-hmm. And then you die. There you go. Um, that's not working for us anymore, no. right? It's time for us to change things. So let's get back to what our great-great-grandparents did. They weren't afraid of saturated fat. They didn't know what it was, Yeah. but they were eating it and they were doing great. Yeah. Right? They were doing awesome. So, so yeah. So, so that's get out of that vicious cycle of inflammation and cholesterol and your cholesterol will come down naturally, but you still need that cholesterol for all those hormones. I just had this thought before we close it. I'm like, well, yeah, fat will cause you to have a heart attack because bad fat equals inflammation. Mm. And when you have inflammation, Mm -hmm. then cholesterol comes to the rescue. Right. Right. And so, Yeah. yeah, I guess indirectly fat can cause you to have a heart attack. But like but everything we've bad fat. like everything bad fat. we've talked about, the devil is in the details. Mm-hmm. Also, and, yeah, like sugar will cause inflammation, so that will drive up. Absolutely, you know. And our goal here is to help you recognize the myths mm-hmm. that are controlling your behavior in a really, really bad way. Yeah, give you knowledge so that you are empowered to make different choices and ask questions. Yeah. Right, you've only begun the process now. We haven't given you the definitive guide to fats. Yeah, but now you know where to look. Exactly. Now you can. Go on the internet, go to Google Scholar and start searching searching. to see what's out there. You can look this up for yourself. You don't have to rely on us. We always say that. Exactly. So happy researching guys. And we will catch you next episode. If you want more information on any kind of health topic, just look us up at on Instagram at Provo Health or at Gutsy underscore mom, where we have tons of information there. Mm-hmm. We also do free consults. Mm-hmm. If you want to do one, you just go to gutsy.ch slash consult. Exactly. And you can book a time with us, 15 to 20 minutes, mm-hmm. totally free. And we'll it's an on, get on you the started. phone consult. You don't have to be in person. Nope. If you have any questions about fats or your health or your statins that you're taking, um, we just give you uh, questions to ask your doctor. We don't, we are not replacing doctors. We just want to help empower you with some knowledge and with some questions so that you can use that as ammo when you are advocating for yourselves. Because you should be a partner in your health. You absolutely should. Good luck, guys. We'll talk to you next week.